So you've always wanted to be a guide. Well, we'll get the inside scoop from Mike Frisch, who's done it for years. In terms of being a guy, the one thing that both of those gentlemen instilled in me was I needed to expand my area of expertise. I grew up a walleye fisherman. That's all I wanted to fish for. But a couple things happened. Number one, you get to where the constant pursuit of walleyes, I don't want to say it gets old, but sometimes change is good. And it's Lake of the Weekday. Probably one of the closest, best lakes for uh, early ice fishing. A lot of people like to pan fish and northern pike fish there. Um, because it's a winter kill lake, our bluegills and crappies grow really fast, and they get really fat. It's all coming up. I got my fishing pool keys, tackle box in my hand. Gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand. Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man. But the wife, she just don't understand. I love walleye perch, trout, and bass. And if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back. Cause the fishes all tremble at the thought of me when I'm fishing for bunking country. This is Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. Today we revisit a show I did a few years ago with Mike Frisch. And I thought it would be a good one today because I'm seeing more and more of these young anglers who are doing so well in trying to make a living in the fishing industry. I thought they might want to hear from a guy who's been in the biz quite a few years. You know, Mike, I know a lot of fishing guides and I know a lot of guys that are interested in being fishing guides. And it got me to thinking for the guys who are thinking about it, they might need a little primer on what they can expect. Let's start with this question. When you first started guiding, what was the biggest thing that once you were into it disillusioned you? You know, I guess the biggest thing that disillusioned me was I thought going into this, hey, being a fishing guide, what better job could there be? You get to go fishing every day and people pay you to do that. But as soon as people are paying you to put them on fish, the pressure of producing fish is something that smacked me right in the face. And that was something that I guess I didn't really expect. I knew I'd want to do well and be good at this, but you get in the boat and someone's paying you and they have high expectations. Fishing as a recreational angler now changes a whole bunch when you become a guide. That's the biggest thing. And it's kind of funny because I have a good friend who started a guide service over on Big Stone Lake ice guiding this winter. And we had a conversation just the other day. He alluded to the same thing. He said, you know, I never felt that I would feel the pressure to produce that I do feel. It's definitely there. So I would say that was the biggest for me. And in Minnesota, if you're going to be a guide, you're going to have to fish for walleye because that's what a lot of people want. Guys who were really into walleye fishing that once became a guide and it was their job to find walleye all the time, once they're fishing on their own, for what they like, it changes. They're not as into walleye as they used to be. (laughs) You know, Kev, that's exactly it. I was really, really fortunate that earlier in my fishing career and in my guiding career to have a couple mentors, Dwayne Peterson from right there in Bemidji at Northland Tackle, helped me out tremendously. Bob Jensen from Fish in the Midwest Television helped me out tremendously. And probably in terms of being a guy, the one thing that both of those gentlemen instilled in me was I needed to expand my area of expertise. I grew up a walleye fisherman. That's all I wanted to fish for. But a couple things happened. 
think, number one, you get to where the constant pursuit of walleyes, I don't want to say it gets old, but sometimes change is good. But the other thing is developing skills at catching panfish, and for me in particular, bass, opened up a whole new avenue because two things happened. I get a lot of clients who are walleye fishermen, but I have a lot of clients who just want to catch fish. Well, during the middle of the summer, the best way in my area to catch a whole bunch of fish is to go get on the deep weed line and throw a jigworm, and they might catch 30 to 50 largemouth bass in a day. So not only did it open up some of my other interests, but it gave me a whole nother business perspective because now when the walleye bite was tough, I always had something to fall back on. And I still get some trips from clients who come up from down south whose interest is in bass fishing, and that's kind of right in the wheelhouse. So that walleye mindset is something that I think a lot of anglers start with, but I think as you mature in your fishing career, and for me in my guiding career, opening up to some of these other avenues has really helped me build my business. And quite honestly, it's made my fishing a lot more enjoyable. And now I'm to the point where I love to bass fish, but I love to walleye fish probably as much as I ever have because I don't do it every single day. So when I do chase walleyes, I'm pretty in tune to what I'm doing. How did you get business? I guess the first thing that I had done, I had been fortunate that I had had some success in some of the very first walleye tournaments that I'd ever fished. And so I had a little bit of history on some of the lakes on Otter Tail Lake and West Battle Lake, which was kind of my home area at the time. So that helped. But what I did is I made a brochure, got some feedback from it from guys like Dwayne Peterson and Bob Jensen, and then finalized my brochure. And I went to bait shops in the area where I already had some relationships with. And I said, here's what I'm attempting to do. If you would, I'd appreciate it if you'd have my brochures. And if people are looking for a guide, feel free to recommend me. I think that was a big part of it. And I think with today's changes, I mean, that was 20 some years ago. The Life of the Guide, the topic, Mike Frisch, the guest. More coming up. Some people say fishing is overrated. For the record, they are wrong. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Mike Frisch, my guest today. We're talking about the life of a guide and how you promote yourself. And Mike says the world has changed in that regard. Now today with social media, the World Wide Web, there's a whole other avenue to get information out there about what you're doing. I know some of the good guides who are just getting going in the business right now are really active on Facebook. And it's pretty powerful when you can post a picture of today's catch and you got a bunch of happy clients smiling, holding fish. That's another avenue as well that can really open up things for someone just starting in the guide business. Would you say that has been the biggest change you've seen in your 20-some years of guiding? I would think so. So, yeah, the one thing I guess, Kev, that I would caution people about is a lot of guys, especially people who are walleye fishermen, and I tell people this who ask me, hey, I want to be a guide. The number one thing that I tell them is if your idea of fishing is to go get in the back of your boat, go to your favorite hump or point or whatever, drop your roach rig to the bottom, back troll and stare at your electronics all day and not say much, you're not cut out to be a guide. (laughs) And what I mean by that is the biggest thing that I have learned in 20 years of guiding, you have to love being with people and have a good ability to work with people because a lot of people think it's just about catching fish and catching fish is important but what I've learned is being good with people and truly taking an interest in them and not just I'm out here to put you on fish and I'm not going to talk to you all day that doesn't work because any fishing guide I don't care what body of water you're on or how good you are you're going to have days where the fish don't bite as well as you'd like them to but being able to relate to people and still making the time on the water enjoyable is really what I think separates the real good guide from average because there's a ton of people that can 
catch fish. But being able to relate to people is really important. Have you seen any changes in the clientele over the years? Is there a difference in what people are looking for, or even the types of people who are hiring guides? I think that one of the biggest changes that I see, it used to be people would want to hire you the first day on their vacation to learn the area. Or someone would call and say, I want to learn how to catch walleyes better. I want to learn how to use my electronics, those kind of things. And don't get me wrong, I still get those kind of calls. But a lot of the calls that I get today are people who are, hey, I'm going to be in your area. I'm bringing the wife and kids. We're only going to be there for three days. Can we go fishing with you? We're going to go to the races this day, and we're going to go to the state park this day, and we'd like to fish one day. Can you be our fishing guide for that one day? Rather than people trying to learn things or take things from the guide trip that they can use in their own fishing, I'm getting a lot of calls now where it's just, hey, we just want to day on the water. We want to catch fish, have fun. You take care of everything. We don't care where we go. We just want to go have fun. And that's the clientele that I get a lot of now. And I spend a lot of my time in the Alexandria area on the Chain of Lakes over there. It's a hot resort area in the summer. And that's what a lot of my guide trips are now. I would presume also if you're going to be getting into guiding that you better have a lot more fishing rods than you need for your personal use, bait and all of those types of things. And that's the other thing that for me was hard initially because I've always been the kind of fisherman that I want to use the best stuff. I want to take care of my stuff and I don't want it to get broken. But when you are a guide, you have to understand that it's hard on equipment and whether or not you have the ability to purchase enough equipment on your own or work with sponsors that can help. You have to understand that it's going to take a ton of equipment and it's going to get used and sometimes abused and that's part of the deal. So having an open mindset to that is important. And the other thing is for me, I fish multi-species. I bass fish. I walleye fish. I pan fish. I troll crankbaits. I pull bottom bouncers. We lie bait rig. So just for the walleye game, I probably have oh, 28 different walleye rods and reels for my customers because I have to be able to do all those techniques and I want to be able to just hand them a different rod and reel. So the equipment part of it is a huge thing. And again, you have to think beyond your personal fishing now. It's not about me and my $400 rod and reel. It's about me and four other clients and making sure they have quality stuff as well. And I would presume that people are going out fishing with you. They want to be comfortable. Maybe you're used to fishing in a smaller boat. You might have to get a bigger one if you're going to be guiding, right? Last year, I guided out of a 2020 Larson Tiller boat with 150 horse. A great guide boat, big, spacious, roomy. And for a lot of my individual fishing, I could fish out of a 16-foot boat, but that's not practical when I have four people in the boat with me. So yeah, it's a big expense to go into guiding, especially if you want to do it on a full-time basis. Kind of funny because some of my closest friends where I live are farmers, and they give me a hard time. Man, i got to spend $300 if I want to come fish with you for half a day. And I always tell them, well, it's a $50,000 piece of equipment that we're going to be in. When you put it in that perspective, then people start to understand a little bit better, too, why your guides have to charge as well. I'm sure that this conversation we've had will be some food for thought for some people who've been maybe thinking about this. But obviously, somebody who is thinking about this needs to spend some time with a guy like you, ask some questions, and find out all this information. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to put a shingle out. Like I said, that's why having guys like Dwayne Peterson that I could bounce ideas off and guys who would look you in the eye and say, okay, now you got to remember that this is part of it too. Having people like that is certainly a great resource and there's potential guides out there who want to talk and pick my brain. I'm certainly open to that as well. If they want to do that, how can they get a hold of you, Mike Frisch? They can give me a call. My phone number is 218-731-8141. Again, 218-731-8141. Or they can check out my website, which is fishing with 
fishingwithfrish.com, and fishing is without the G, so it's fishing with, and then frish is F-R-I-S-C-H.com. And, of course, it's the same address and the same phone number if they want to hire you to be a guide. Exactly. Mike Frisch from Fishing with Frisch and the School of Fish joining me today. Mike, as always, thanks for your time. Thank you, Kev. Up next, it's Lake of the Weekday, and we're headed towards the Park Rapids area. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country with your host, Kev Jackson. He's the one asking the stupid questions. Lake of the Weekday, Lake of the Weekday, Lake of the Weekday, holy cow! It is Lake of the Weekday, and we are checking in with Mike Kelly. He's a fishery specialist out of the Park Rapids Area Fisheries Office. First off, Mike, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having us, Kev. It's fun to do these every year, and... uh Hear, the, hear us on the radio talking about the local lakes and the different opportunities for sportsmen out there. You got a lot of them over in your neck of the woods, that's for sure. That Today we're talking specifically about portage, and as we do this uh, a little bit earlier than it's actually going to air, you're just getting out in the water today, and, and you're going to find out a little bit about what might happen as far as winter kill goes. Actually, we just got a report this morning that portage like ice out happened today. It's uh, April 24th. Um, we've got a full schedule our day today, but I believe we're going to have nuts out tomorrow. Um, Portage Lake is a very shallow lake with a lot of vegetation, and uh, those lakes around here are, are susceptible to winter kill. And uh, what winter kill is is um, those shallow lakes um, have a lot of vegetation. As the ice builds up and the snow builds up on top of it, that vegetation decomposes over the winter and sucks up all that oxygen that those fish need to survive. Um, so with winter kills, generally we see it. Um, happen with um, bass are usually the first fish we'd see on portage, and then it would go to bluegills, and then uh, um, the last usually to kill is going to be the bullheads, which uh, Portage Lake is one of our best bullhead lakes in the area, but that's partially because it's a winter kill lake. Okay. Now, we definitely had a winter, which there was a lot of snow on top of the ice, and that, that tends to be a winter that uh, you get a little concerned about. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so far, we've just been in some of the smaller ponds and smaller lakes, and uh, we have seen some uh, pretty prevalent winter kills in um, most of the species in some of these lakes. Um, another lake that's just south of Park Rapids we checked out already is Moran, and uh, we saw some little perch and uh, northern pike left in there, and it looks like all the um, bluegills and bass and crappies killed off there. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Portage Lake in general, hoping that we, you know, we do we do okay here. What are we going to find in that lake? Uh, Portage Lake is probably one of the closest, best lakes for uh, early ice fishing. A lot of people like to pan fish and northern pike fish there. Um, because it's a winter kill lake, our bluegills and crappies grow really fast, and they get really fat. Um, it's also got a very high number of northern pike in it, so with the new northern pike regulation, it would be a great lake to um, go take advantage of the up to 10 fish under 22 inches, or you can have two in com- combination above uh, 26 inches there. Okay. Now, notes that uh, there are some walleye on that lake. Yes, there are. We uh, we do some spring uh, fry stock on a walleye there. Um, being at the winter kill lake, it's kind of a bonus fishery. We see some uh, pretty nice fish, pretty healthy fish. They grow really quick, um, but they're one of the first fish we lose with winter kills like um, the last one we know about happened in 2013, 2014, uh, and likely we had one uh, this winter, the 2018-19 winter. Okay. Um, and northern, you mentioned the northern pike already, but, uh, yeah, um, 5.36 in that in 2017, 1.67 pound average. So we can uh, 
if we can take advantage of moving some of those younger, smaller northerns out, uh, that'd be that that that'd be good. Yeah, we've we've done a, a number of years of spring ice out trap netting, targeting those pike to see, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of those small fish, those um, 18 to 22 inch fish, but. There are some bigger fish that we see every once in a while. Some of those big females will be um, 34, 36 inches, and we uh, we hear every winter uh, somebody approaching 40 inches with a northern pike out of Portage. Okay. Where exactly is Portage Lake? Uh, Portage Lake is uh, about three miles kind of northwest of Park Rapids. Uh, if you start um, from Park Rapids, you head north on 71 for about three miles. Um, you'll take a left on Conner Road 48. Um, you'll take that for about three miles. You'll take a right on 210th Street. Uh, and 210 Street right runs right in the public access. The end of that road is the public access. Um, it's a nice paved parking lot, um, a lot of spaces, a lot of room for turning around. The access is earthen, so it's a sand gravel access, but it's got a nice dock right there, too. A lot of action on that lake, or is it uh, not used too much? Yeah, there's a lot of action on that lake. It's a real popular lake because uh, there are a lot of panfish. Uh, a lot of kids like to go fish it. It's one of our shallower lakes. So it's one of the first ones to ice over in the winter. Um, so it's usually the first one we see fish houses and people fishing in the winter, too. Um, and with it being a, a shallow uh, lake, the the fish grow really quick. So um, three or four years after uh, the bigger winter kill events, we get very nice size, very healthy bluegills and crappies coming up. Right, about 428 acres, 429. Um, so not a huge lake by any means, but not a real tiny lake either. No, it's 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 a nice size lake. There's a... Uh, it's like you said. It's 429 acres. The maximum depth is 17 feet. It averages right around 10 feet deep. Um, so I mean, a lot of the stuff you're going to be fishing is going to be more uh, associating with the weeds, or maybe even looking at that deep hole. Okay. If I'm looking at the map right, I see. Is there like a little stream that connects it to Fish Hook? Yeah, there's a there's a stream that runs out of Portage um, and right on 71. If you actually look to the east, there's a little dam. Um, on that stream, but yeah, it runs right into Fishhook Lake. Okay, so the, the, with the dam, you can't you can't go from lake to lake then. No, you can't. the The culvert, even under seventy one, is very small. Oh, okay, um, and that dam is on private property. Okay, all right. Um, but if we can avoid the the uh, the winter kills, it sounds like it's just an ideal fishery for bringing the kids, getting a lot of action, things like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great lake. It has a lot of bluegills, crappies, northern pike. I mean, real active, aggressive fish. Um, and for those uh, people that like our whiskered friends, it's got black, yellow, and brown bullheads, and they grow big and fat, and it's uh, one of the few lakes in the area that you can really fish them here. Okay, yeah, that's, well, that's for southern Minnesotans and Iowans, I think, primarily. I wasn't <laughs> going to spell out Iowa, but that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, is it a well-developed lake, or is it kind of out of the way? Uh, it's half and half. The eastern half, closer to Highway 71, is pretty developed. There's quite a few houses and cabins on it. Okay. Um, the western part of the lake is, is pretty undeveloped. There's a few houses, but generally they've got um, a lot of lakeshore, a lot of acreage associated with them. Okay. And again, it is fairly shallow. It's, uh, what, a max depth of 17 feet, and that's looks like that's only in you know one small spot of the lake. Yeah, it's 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 a shallow lake. Um, kind of that eastern half is a little bit shallower than the western half, but uh, um, there's some nice points that come out into it. And uh, I mean, it's very easy to boat. There's no real issues. It's just the shallow depth kind of on that east end is the only thing to watch out for. All right. Um, and again, uh, we're doing this just as the lake is opening here in the spring of 2019. Uh, some concern of a um, uh, of a winter kill. Um, 
just off the top of your head, what is your gut telling you? Uh, generally, I'm going to say the we're going to lose a lot of the largemouth bass, especially the, the larger ones. Um, we're going to lose some of the walleyes, um, and then we're probably going to lose uh, especially some of the bigger bluegills. Um, those are kind of the, the fish we see that are kind of the most susceptible to winter kill. Um, a lot of times we'll see some of those bigger fish not be able to make it just because they have a very high oxygen demand. Um, but some of the smaller fish, uh, that same species, will be able to make it just because they don't need quite as much oxygen. Yeah. But with all the uh, all the weeds and the growth in that lake and uh, the fact that it's so shallow, there's really not much you can do to combat this, is there? No, not really. Um, and there is, uh, talking about the vegetation, there is curly leaf pondweed, which is an invasive species that's present in uh, okay. in Portage Lake. It's it's one of the few lakes around we really have invasive species in. Um, so when anglers are taking their boat out, um, just make sure you, you clean uh, everything off really good um, and uh, make sure you're not carrying any vegetation to the next lake. Okay, sounds good. Anything else you think we need to know about uh, Portage Lake? No, I think uh, your best bet is just to go out and fish it and try it and see how you do. Um, like I said, it's it's usually pretty good for action for kids. Like um, early ice is great, um, but uh, after a winter kill, sometimes you might want to wait a couple of years for those fish to grow up and uh, I'll be back ready for angling size. All right, hey Mike, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks, Kim.